I won't lie to you. I haven't been feeling the greatest lately. I just did another round of chemo, and it's really kicking in. I feel weak and fatigued, which means I'm most likely anemic, and my face burns from all the toxicity. I feel feverish. Every bone in my body aches, and my breathing is challenged even though all the bedroom windows are open. I must be peaking. That's the thing they don't tell you about chemo. It has a compounding effect. You may feel alright initially, thinking, this isn't so bad. But as time goes on, you may start wondering what's going to kill you first. Will it be the chemo? Or will it be the cancer? It's easy to go there, I know. Because I was there when I finally drifted to sleep on that night I'll remember forever. Like most dreams, I wasn't aware of the exact moment I fell asleep. One moment, I'm wondering if I'll make it through the night. It was that bad. And the next, I'm driving down a narrow road through a thick blanket of fog. It was late, and the headlights were merely bouncing back at me. Suddenly, the fog cleared, but only momentarily. What appeared through the thickening white mist was a tall black chair. I felt a sliver of ice race down my spine as I slowed to a stop and stepped out. John Ford, a dear friend and accomplished climber with a PhD in immunology and a startup company in search of a cure for a rare form of cancer, appeared beside me. You have to do this, Dan. No one else can. To what? I asked. John handed me a butcher knife. You know what to do. I was about to say something, but John was no longer there. I turned and stared at the fog with a knife in my hand, replaying his words. You have to do this, Dan. No one else can. He was right, of course. I had done this before. Not necessarily in the same manner, but just having that knowledge gave me the strength to believe that I could do it again. I took a deep breath, then started inching forward with a knife until I was standing behind the tall black chair. I felt like I was in a horror movie. I kept telling myself to wake up, wake up, wake up, that it was just a dream and that everything was okay, but there was nothing okay with this scene. There, sitting in the chair like a ruthless dictator, was a giant boar with long bristly fur. I could see a long bead of drool dripping from its razor-sharp tusks that scanned the horizon in search of prey. As far as I could tell, it was oblivious to me, or so I thought. As if sensing my presence, the satanic beast turned towards me with its nostrils flaring. I tried to move, but my feet felt like they were embedded in concrete, and its piercing eyes locked with mine. In that split second, I knew if I didn't kill this demonic creature, it would kill and devour me. Instinctively, as if every moral fiber in my body and soul wanted to survive, I plunged the knife into the heart of the beast then leaped back. The boar rose onto its hind feet and released the most hideous scream. Like a scene out of a Stephen King movie, the boar's head morphed into several unrecognizable faces before it collapsed into a heap and died. That's when I woke up. 
For the record, I rarely have bad dreams. Most of my dreams are uplifting and inspirational, often providing clues to questions I've asked the night before. And I have a history of dreams. On more than one occasion, my dreams have either saved my life or steered me in the right direction. The only other time I've had a bad dream is when I'm extremely sick, as in this case, or under a lot of stress. As quickly as I could, I dictated the details while still clear in my head. When I stopped recording, I sat back and pondered the interpretation of the dream. I even spent some time googling the meanings. What I concluded was this. The wild boar was my cancer. The tall black chair represented its authority and control over me. As my good friend said, there was only one person that could do it. Nobody else could if I wanted to be free of this life-threatening disease. Sure, it was just a dream, you can say. But you can't argue the significance of the meaning. As before, when I was stage four, which I'll discuss in my upcoming book titled Untethered, I knew I had slain my cancer. It was dead and gone, and it would never come back to haunt me. If you want to know the secret of how to become a cancer survivor, this is it. Getting cancer sucks. We all know that. But it's important to remember, this is not the time for being timid or non-committal. This is a moment in your life when you must be present and totally committed because if you're not, the odds of you surviving and beating this deadly disease will be greatly diminished. Yes, chemo may play a significant role in your battle with cancer. It's definitely part of the equation. But the other part of the equation, and perhaps the most important part of the equation, is the role you play. If you want to become a cancer survivor, you must embrace a warrior's mindset. For a warrior will never surrender. A warrior will continue fighting to the very end because the desire to live is far greater than giving in. And most importantly, a warrior never sees himself as a victim or as a person that has been cursed even when diagnosed with cancer. Instead, a warrior sees himself as someone that has been blessed, as a recipient of the most extraordinary gift that will lead to personal growth and spiritual enlightenment. When I look back on my life, I can honestly say that all my greatest achievements were a direct byproduct of all my greatest challenges, including dealing with cancer and chemotherapy this very day. I have no idea what will come from this, but this much I know, something great is coming my way. Every cancer survivor that I have met has admitted that getting cancer was the greatest, most life-altering event in their lives. That doesn't mean they were happy about getting cancer. Nobody wants to get cancer, and they certainly don't want to be doing chemotherapy either. It just means that after it's all said and done, their battle with cancer changed their lives in the most profound way, and it was almost always for the better. Some changed their diet and lost a significant amount of weight. Others quit smoking and began exercising again, while others quit their jobs to pursue their true passions, or they got out of a dysfunctional relationship and ended up with a person of their dreams. And the same thing can happen for you. So here's what I want you to do. Pause this recording or bookmark this page, depending on whether you're listening or reading, and 
grab a pad of paper and a pen. Draw a line down the center of the page. On one side of the page, list every major negative thing that has happened to you, going back to the earliest years to the present moment. On the other side of the page, list every major positive thing that has happened to you since your earliest years to the present moment. Do your best to keep it chronological. You'll see why in a minute. When you've completed both lists, look at the page. I'm willing to bet that most of the positive things were a direct result of something negative happening to you. Like a tree in a forest, a tree will experience its greatest growth after its greatest drought. And I hope the same will be true for you. May my words give you strength and the belief, the topic of the next episode, that you will become a cancer survivor. And remember, you are much stronger than you know. Don't let the chemo tell you different. If there's anyone that can beat this, it is you. Until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodwin, signing out.